Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... A lot of people are paralyzed and afraid that they're going to do the wrong thing. The kingdom will survive if you do the wrong thing. It will, trust me. Uh, Sometimes people getting involved here in the ministry, they're like, I don't know where to get started. I'm like, can you push a broom? They're like, I can do that. I go, I know where you can start. We all know that we live in an age of distraction. There are so many things vying for our attention and time, it can be overwhelming. However, God tells us to make the most of our time here on earth, or as we might say, to use our time wisely. In Ephesians chapter 5, this leads the Apostle Paul into a discussion on God's will, which is a paralyzing subject for many people. But it was never meant to be that way. For many of us, God's will involves major decisions, yet in the scriptures, it is more closely associated with daily living, which if done well, helps us with the major decisions. To learn more and to gain the clarity the Word of God wants you to have on this, here's Pastor Jim. Here the Apostle Paul is teaching all of us that wise men and women grab the moment. They grab the moment while they have it. They make the most of the opportunity because they don't want to waste the moment. Why? Because we know we can't get the moment back. Once it passes, it's gone. Interesting, this word opportunity is is from the Latin word that describes a ship taking advantage of the wind to get into port. So picture a ship out in the the bay, out in the ocean, and there's no wind. They they have the sails up, but but they're not going anywhere. So they say, pull the sails down, and they're just sitting, and they're sitting, and they're sitting. And then... The wind comes and the captain says, let's get the sails up. Let's get into port. Can you picture the, 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 all the crew going, eh, we're not, we don't feel led. You know, we're really not so sure. You know, we're on our cell phones. <laughs> we're, we're, we're watching TV. No, no, take advantage of that moment. Take advantage of that opportunity. Now, anyone who says that they are a follower of Jesus, that you meet and says it, do, and they don't think it really matters how we live and how we spend this time, how we spend our time, make sure you text them this verse. And so show them the importance of this. Notice he says, because the days are evil. Last week we said that, that they were dark. Now here's what's going on in, in the first century around this time. Christianity was, was not for a long time, or at least at the beginning, the first you know, 10, 20 years, was, was really not on the radar of the Roman Empire. It was on the radar of the Jewish leaders, and they were you know, so glad that people like Saul of Tarsus, you, they're like, you can call him Paul the Apostle, you can call him whoever you want, good riddance to that guy. So when he went up to the northern part of the Roman Empire, but, but Christianity was really not on the radar of the Roman Empire, but it is starting to get on the radar now. 
And, and, so, and so Paul's saying, listen, we know that the time is short. We have to make the most of the moment. We know that the Roman Empire is breathing down our neck. That's why he's in jail. He was in jail because for the last presumably three years because he had preached the gospel to them. And, and how similar to our day. In our day in the USA, the winds are changing very, very quickly. Boy, oh boy, it's amazing how fast it has turned. And the tide of Christianity in some circles seems to be going out to sea as people are really against us. And this is, you look at this and you think, boy, the, the evil one is good. Let's have the tide go out to sea and have the people not be ready by having them listen to the last 10 or 20 years of sermonettes for Christianettes, to have them listen to ways that their lives can be happy, that they can realize all of their potential, that they can get everything that they want out of life. And then when people come at us, if we are uneducated in the things of God, we wilt. We wilt. We're like the little pieces of grass on the side of the driveway when the sun comes up. We just absolutely wilt. And, the, and so what are we supposed to do? One thing we must do is we must make the best use of our time. We have to be so concerned with how we use time. We have to take advantage of every opportunity. So what does that mean? You know that little voice that goes off in your head that says maybe you should say something? Just open your mouth and let God do the rest. Some of you would be like, oh, I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing. You would be amazed at what some of you know. I've been around some of you listening to you to talk to people. And I'm like, man, you know, they're, they're stealing my material. And the Lord's like, well, you stole it from somebody else. So, so, so really, just, just start talking because it, we want to we make the most of every opportunity while it is still day while these opportunities are still out there. So it is so important for a follower of Jesus to identify the big time wasters in our lives, to really, really think about how we spend our time and relentlessly prioritize our lives and our time. Now, I know a lot of you know that I have a lot of things that are going on in my life. I constantly and reassessing my time. I would say that I do it twice a week. Every month ahead, I plan out things. I plan out every week ahead. It never turns out like I want it to, but you know what? I get the important things done. I'll give you an example of one important thing I get done, is I'm always ready for you guys. I'm always ready when I get up here that I'm not gonna get up here and just wing it, and believe me, I can wing it. <laughs> I used to tell me, boy, you got the gift of the gab, <laughs> right? The Irishman's gift of the gab. But, 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 but making a priority for our time. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got a long time ago was an old expression, be gracious with people and relentless with time. Gracious with people, relentless with time. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't hang out with people. You say, oh, look at that guy. He just hangs out with people for two hours. Looks like he's got nothing else to do. Maybe he planned that two hours. Maybe that was just a time to, to be with people. 
That See, to be relentless with time does not mean to be selfish with time. It means that we really value time. We place an extremely high value on time, and we are very careful with the use of it. So, so you say, well, does that mean I can't relax? Well, of course you can. That should be part of the planning process. So, so since we only have, and um, I, don't, I hate to quote an old soap opera that I've never seen, one life to live, we only have one life to live. How many of you know why they call them soap operas? Here's a trivia question. Don't count this against my time. Because all the, all the um, detergent soap companies, ivory soap and stuff like that, used to sponsor them during the day. That's why they call them that. Or anyway, that's what somebody old told me. Um, so, so, so we only have one life to live. So as followers of Jesus, we must make the most of our time so we don't waste our lives. C.T. Studd, the British missionary, uh, who was, by the way, also quite the athlete, who lived from 1860 to 1931, wrote a poem called Only One Life Twill Soon Be Passed. And each stanza ends with this. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So look it up, read the whole poem to yourself, but how true, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Verse 17, he says, therefore, well, therefore what? Because time is short, because the days are evil, because we need to be wise and we don't want to be fools. Do not be unwise, some versions say foolish, but understand, and, and we have to just stop at this word understand for a second. The idea of this word understand is give your mind over to this. Don't be like, I get it. I get it. I got to be better with time. No, he says, give your mind over to this. Try and really grasp this. Try and really grasp because he's going to marry wisdom with time with, with the word of God. So he says, do not be unwise. Don't be a fool, but be wise, we would say. Understand what is the will of the Lord, or what the will of the Lord is. Now, when you're a pastor, many followers of Jesus talk about wanting to know God's will for their life. And as a matter of fact, way, way far back on our website, I think I did 10 weeks on finding God's will for your life. And it was so not what everybody expected. So the recordings are terrible. I was... Uh, not as good public speaker as I am now, not that I'm good now, but I listen to them, I'm like, oh boy, that was bad. But I think the content is fairly good. How's that? Fairly good. And so a lot of people want to know what's God's will for their life. And sadly, in wanting to know what's God's will for their life, he says, not what God's will for your life is, he says, knowing what the will of the Lord is. And some are just waiting for it. Like they're out, the, out looking up in the sky, waiting for it to fall down and hit them on the head or something. Or a lot of people do nothing until they know what the, the will of the Lord is. And sadly, and this is not funny. I'm not trying to be, you, a lot of people are paralyzed and afraid that they're going to do the wrong thing. The kingdom will survive if you do the wrong thing. It will. Trust me. 
uh, sometimes people getting involved here in the ministry, they're like, I don't know where to get started. I'm like, can you push a broom? They're like, I can do that. I go, I know where you can start. I told a lot of you, my first ministry experience was telling middle school boys and girls to be quiet while some guy taught a Bible study. That was, that was how I started. I was just like, shut up. <laughs> that, was, that was it. And, and, and so uh, sometimes we're just afraid that, uh, that that's going to happen. Sometimes people try things and they tr- move to something else or other people see their giftedness or they, I was talking with someone recently and they said, I, I've served in a church before. I said, where did you serve? And they told me, I said, how'd you like it? And, and they said, I hated it. I said, oh, let me tell you where I think you would be great. And now, you know, a few months in, they're like, man, you were right. I love it. Absolutely love it. And, and so it's okay to try stuff. Or, or they think God's will has to be so, like, you have to hate it. You have to hate it. You could, you could say a lot of things about me. I'm not a perfect pastor. Do I look like I hate this? When I'm up here teaching, do I look like I'm hating this? No, I love doing this. And I know that this is what God has called me to do, and, and, and it's great. But a lot of people think that, that God's will is going to be some awful, difficult thing. Oh, I know he's going to send me to Africa. Like, how do you know that? How do you know that? And what's wrong with Africa? You know? I mean, Gosh. It's not like he's going to send you to Boston or something like that. Oh, sorry. Picking on the Red Sox fans again. <laughs> or they get so afraid when God's will gets a little bit hard. You know, and, and as soon as it gets a little hard, oh, the Holy Spirit was wrong. He led me wrong. Or, or they just want to quit. <laughs> Listen, everything worthwhile is hard, isn't it? Everything worthwhile has its moments. I mean, I love doing this, what I'm doing right now. There's times when I'm just like, oh, gosh, I don't feel like sitting down and studying for four or six or eight hours, God. I don't feel like doing it. We all have that. And one of the reasons I think we're so confused about God's will is, and this is part of what I said in that series that we did years ago, is I think we have a wrong contemporary thinking of the will of God. Because we have, not only have we, we think it's supposed to be easy, but a lot of us have made it into this mystical experience, like the will of God. Do, 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 do. Like, what? In other words, we've hyper-spiritualized it, and then when certain people seem like they're in the zone of where the will of God is for them, we've sort of created this obnoxious spiritual elite class, which to me is just awful. It's absolutely awful. Or other people, because they don't want to either do anything or they're, doing, they're in the wrong place, they start defending themselves. Oh, this was God's will. This was God's will. Or, or other people, if they try something and it, and it doesn't work out, Instead of talking with somebody who's wise about it, they, they put their tail between their legs and, and, and they're all defeated. And maybe it was just God trying to depride you that, to get you really ready to serve. And they stop and they leave all defeated. You see, when modern Christians think about God's will, it's, 
it's almost always or normally in the context of major decisions, major decisions. And some people are so paralyzed, you know, you, gosh, you, you go out to eat lunch with them and they're like, oh, I don't know if God wants me to have the turkey sandwich or the ham sandwich. And you're like, are you under doctor's orders? And they're like, no, I do eat whatever you like. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm the pastor. I know these things, right? <laughs> Besides, the ham here is really good. Or it's, well, what's God's will for a job? So sometimes people sit home for months and years because they're afraid that they're going to take the wrong job. But we have to go back to the Bible and remember certain things. Sometimes I refer to Jesus as the carpenter. Do you ever hear me refer to him as that? Why was he a carpenter? Because his father was a carpenter. James and John, we talked about them this past week. They're, they're the sons of Zebedee. Their father had a fishing business with, with servants and employees. They were professional fishermen. Why were they professional fishermen? Because their father was a professional fisherman. So years ago, often, whatever your parents did for a living, you did for a living. That, that's really what, what, that's what you knew how to do. And so I really believe here when he says that we understand what the will of the Lord is, that he's talking about what is God's already revealed will in the pages of the Bible. It's that simple. Really, I taught 10 weeks on the will of God, and at the end I said, you know, if you just joined us today, let me just, let me just save you the previous nine weeks. If it's righteous and you love doing it, do it and feel God's glory until he changes it. <laughs> if it affords you time to, to serve the Lord in other capacities, don't discount that. Don't discount that. That's a wonderful, that's a wonderful job to have. When we study the Bible, we clearly see things that are God's will. You say, what do you mean by that? In the Bible, that are clearly things that are God's will for every believer to do and for every believer to stay away from. So when he's talking about being wise and foolish here, he's saying, listen, understand, grasp a hold of what it is that God wants you to do and these, these, are not, these are things that apply to all of us. D does God want all of us to be as holy as we can be with his help? Of course he does. Does he want all of us to be generous? Of course he does. Did he, does he want all of us to be kind, compassionate, and considerate? Of course he does. Does he want us to be unholy, foolish people? Of course he does not. There we are understanding what the will of the Lord is. Here it seems to be to live godly lives day to day, aware of the word of God and not wasting a bunch of time. To see every day as an opportunity to know Christ's love better. That means you gotta spend time with Christ and to represent him more as you go out into the world. Romans 8, 29, for, him, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
simply God's will is what? That we would be more like Jesus. I mean, it's that, don't overcomplicate it. And then a lot of times people just fall into things that God, good works, remember from chapter two, that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then before you know it, you end up in places where you think, wow, maybe this is the, this is the thing that God has for me for now. So do I believe there's certain things for certain individuals? I do, I do. So where do we, or where or how do we find those things? Romans 12, one and two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, here's our part, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here I am. God, here I am. This is it. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to go out and wherever I see opportunities to obey your word, wherever I see opportunities to follow you, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever I see opportunities to, to tell people about you, acts of kindness, whatever it is, I want to tie them to you, that, then that's what I'm going to do. Verse two, and do not be conformed to this world. So I'm going to do your will because that's for all believers and I'm not going to do what we're not supposed to do. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how are you transformed by the renewing of your mind? It's happening right now. God is renewing your mind as you independently, in a, maybe in a group of a smaller group of people, and as we gather together, as we study the word of God. So we are not being conformed to this world. J.B. Phillips says, don't be squeezed into the mold of this world, but we are being conformed. We're not being conformed to this world, but being conformed to the will of God. We are being squeezed into, if you will, the mold of the will of God, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove some verses say that you will discern, that you will know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So put on the word of God, put off the ways of the world, and God says, I'll show you. You'll know. There'll be plenty of opportunities. Then the problem won't be, oh, which is God's will? The problem will be, which is not God's will? Because he'll show you so many things. Now, verse 18 moves us into a section that continues all the way into chapter 6, pertaining to what I'm going to call spirit-filled relationships. Spirit-filled relationships. And he's going to give us two commands. Two commands. And do not be drunk with wine. Now, some of you are going, whew, I'm in the clear. I drink brewskis, baby. Okay, that's, that is not what we're talking about here. Okay, it is not what we're talking about here. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking about preaching this verse on a Sunday sometime. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. Uh, some, some versions use a great word, debauchery. You're like, I don't even know what that word means. It just sounds wicked, doesn't it? The um, uh, Holman Christian Standard Bible says this, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions. That's the first command. Do not be drunk with wine. Second command, but contrast instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
Now, it's very interesting. It's not like you, you know, you go to the, you know, the spirit dispensary uh, on your refrigerator and, you know, press spirit and put your glass underneath, comes out or something like that. So God fills us with his spirit. So in that sense, we're passive. But in another sense, we have to make ourselves willing receptacles of God's spirit. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love. Changed by Love